the scramblers were basically inspired by, you know, me going scuba diving and picking up a brittle star and basically dropping it through the water column and watching it sort of collapse its limbs into this weird little teardrop shape as it fell, this perfectly hydrodynamic shape as it dropped out of the water column at maximum speed so that it could scramble under the next rock. Mm-hmm. The vampires, we can go into that. It's it's a, a hate relationship with a con in Edmonton. Somebody stuck me on a vampire panel I knew nothing about. <laughs> I wasn't interested in it. Um, and it kind of festered like one of those zits in the corner of your nose that never quite <laughs> rises to the surface. So you have to keep depth charging it um, until I finally managed to slot it into blindsight. But the, the inspiration for the fundamental story um, arose from uh, a collection of natural history and evolution essays that was edited by uh, Richard Dawkins back in the early 1990s. Uh, and I don't remember the title of the essays. I don't remember the, the 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 book itself had sort of a robin's egg blue cover with a drawing of a wasp's nest on it. I don't remember any of the essays at all, but I do remember Dawkins afterward in which he said that one of the biggest mysteries was consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly obvious to to um to see how intelligence might have evolved, but it's also trivially easy to imagine a computational biological being that can do everything that we do without being aware that that's what it's doing. That natural selection only works on what the organism does to to and with the environment. Mm -hmm. Natural selection does not care about motives. Mm -hmm. So if you have some sort of an algorithm that says, if external temperature exceeds certain critical threshold, then withdraw limb. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why natural selection would distinguish between that and somebody going, fuck my hand, it really hurts, <laughs> and pulling it back. Where is the, you know, so so why one, not the other? Why this weird? So obviously that was not the first time it had, the, the question of consciousness had been raised, but it was the first time I'd encountered it. Mm-hmm. And and I just kind of, it kind of sat at the back of my mind for uh, for basically a decade and a half, I guess a little longer than a decade, um, until I finally decided I had the chops to scoop all of neurology and all of science fiction and write a book on what the actual purpose of consciousness was. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, how could I fuck up something like that? It was such a small exercise. This is interesting. I, 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 you know, just you talking about the brittle star I, I remembered an experience I had it as a child and, and maybe one of the reasons blindsight resonated so well with me, but I was, I was hiking the West coast trail, um, just like a pretty easy stretch of it. And there's this, there's this portion of beach. That's uh, a huge chunk of shale with these kind of pits and in the pits are these little ecosystems, tide pools with sea anemones and, you know, a lot of stuff yeah. I'd never seen before. And I remember, being with this group and uh, the person leading the group being like, you know, look at this. This is so beautiful. And I remember staring into these pits and being filled with this sense of total horror and dread that there was this like ecosystem that was functioning seemingly without consciousness, tentacles kind of waving, reacting to people poking at it. You know, I, I, I didn't see it as uh, I had a very Werner Herzog uh 
reaction to it you know you know it's like when he's like the the jungle isn't uh the birds are not singing they're screaming it's collective murder i had that and i had a similar and that resonated with me with blindside as well you know well that's that's high praise indeed um and i i also like the the sort of the question of consciousness right that you ask in blindsight which is effectively like well so what is the evolutionary use of this and Sort of, you know, spoiler alert for a book that's been out for a while. Um, and you, if if you haven't read it, turn this off and read it, and then yes, we'll wait. We will wait. We'll wait. Welcome to a Speak ten hour podcast. <laughs> um, I no, don't have uh, that much longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so we we come to the question of consciousness, and it comes to the when we pose the question. Okay, well, if I have to, if somehow I have to be able to like decide to keep my hand in the fire, right? If I have to be able to override this sort of stimulus response, right? And say, okay, well, no, I, I have to keep my hand in the fire for a you know religious reason, or I've made a bet, or um, maybe something cool will happen if I leave it in long enough, or I'm just very hungry and I'm right-handed. Or you've been gone <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, well, that's kind of what I was getting to, uh, is that the um in dune I, I have several references to dune in my uh my sort of notes here but in 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 dune paul atreides is tested with uh with having to put his hand in a painful box and it is determined as to whether or not he is truly human if he can make the decision to leave his hand in the box um because he'll be you know um killed with a poison dart uh if he mo- if he takes it out and um, I, I, and so, but your and your question almost goes the different way, right? Where Paul's superhumanness begins with the test of the Gamjabar, whereas you write superhumans as characters that are sort of less sentient because they don't have to spend. There's no annoying little passenger sort of trying to like second guess the brain's computational power with some shit it did on the back of a napkin. Yeah, there's basically. no regulator, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's no, there's no sort of um. The, the dumbest guy in the brain isn't trying to run the whole show, basically. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea of consciousness, when you, unless you're some kind of a dualist who basically believes that God slots something down into your brain and that the brain, in fact, doesn't so much generate consciousness as just act as some kind of radio antenna for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the, some of the physical panpsychics, psychicists, psychics, the guys who believe in p- physical panpsychism, anyhow, which mm-hmm. which is is um, crazy, but as they say, we don't know if it's yet crazy enough to be true. It's it's a fascinating thought. But anyway, um, if you believe materially that consciousness arises from the biochemistry and electrochemistry of the brain, mm-hmm. it's almost inevitable, I think, that consciousness has to be an after effect of the computational process. It can't precede anything because mm-hmm. if, computa- if, if consciousness arises from the firing of the neurons, then the neurons obviously have to fire before consciousness can arise. Mm-hmm. And you see this in a number of, of experiments dating back to the 1980s, where the brain seems to be making decisions anywhere from like half a second to, in some cases, seven to 10 seconds before the conscious self decides it's going to move its arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and given that the decision has obviously been made prior to conscious recognition, the two points, the first is obviously what we're getting, what we're making is not a decision, but we are receiving a memo 
yeah. from the engineers down in the basement mm-hmm. who have said, who have said, yeah, we're, we're moving our arm now, guy. And then the old pointy haired boss gets the memo and said, good decision. I'm glad I made it. <laughs> I'm imagining those but, pneumatic mail tubes. Like, yeah, <laughs> but the, the, the immediate question that, that emerges from that then is what the hell do you need the pointy haired boss for at all? If the decision has already been made mm-hmm. and, and some people have said, well, you know, you, you need consciousness in order to second guess that initial decision. You need mm-hmm. to be able to censor it or stop yourself from doing it. But the, the, the next question that arrives is okay, but making that second guess is also going to be a result of neurological processes, which have to precede consciousness by definition. So again, why consciousness? What functional utility does it serve? And I, I think if we, we could even sort of uh, continue with uh, sort of almost Frank Herbert as the counter argument, right? Because like I said earlier, right, the the more powerful beings in in bl- world of blindsight and echopraxia, and I, I do want to talk about some of the other work as well, specifically uh, the sunflower cycle, but um, uh, uh, is is that these sort of more powerful, not more of, let's say more, let's be let's be sort of crude and say you know more evolved, but you know it's that's very crude way of putting it. Uh, these these more apex beings say the scramblers, the vampires are are less conscious. Um, and what Fre- what Herbert says with the Gomjabar test is that the Gomjab- what the Gomjabar test is that an animal in a trap will attempt to gnaw off its own leg, say, to escape, whereas a human in a trap can use their sort of volition to play dead, wait for their captor, and then ambush them when their captor is less, um, you know, uh, uh, you might say, uh, wary. But I think you could really make the argument to say, okay, well, all that takes is another subroutine. That doesn't necessarily need a conception of I. That doesn't need to... You don't need to put the sort of, you know, the dumbest guy in charge. That just needs a, a sort of what you might say a more, a, more, a deeper and a more sort of, um, you know, I say intelligent decision-making system, but it doesn't need to be reflective. It doesn't need to, I don't know, enjoy art in order to like accomplish that particular end goal. Uh, 